working in the free world or the no world. <laughs> so uh, Spotify decided. Um, well, no, we're not rocking in. We're not rocking in any world with you, pal. If you're gonna make us decide between you and Joe Rogan, well, another disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. tell them the southern man don't need him around anyhow. They, they, looks like Spotify made their decision, and well, Neil, Neil overplayed his. Um, well, that oh. anyone knows who the hell he is. I hope who Neil the hell Young is who is Neil those. Young was trending on Twitter at one point today. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did Cat you know that? Karen We're getting Young. old, Big D. We're getting old. They're saying that. <laughs> who is Neil Young was trending on Twitter? So that's funny. I just keep, I keep thinking back, right? Every time I see that that you know that whining face, I just think of a southern man don't need him around anyhow. Yeah, just, you know, uh, you know, it's just he's a clown. He's just another clown. Yep. Yeah. You know, talk. It's history's going to look back on these people as just the most useful of idiots. Stay just off the, drugs, the jesters. Stay yes. off drugs, kids. That's what it does to your brain. It gets you to a point where you think you need to argue about whether it's you or Joe Rogan. And somehow Spotify, after giving him a quarter of a billion dollars, is going to choose you over him. <laughs> so, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Paul's here. Rick Amorati's here. Geo Fran holding it down. Wait, the harmonica is not hip with the 20-something crowd? Who's <laughs> rocking? I mean, I said yesterday, you weren't here, Paul. I said, just go up to Neil and say, Neil, they chose you. You won. Uh, okay. Like, what would he, he even It's like win. Jim Ignatowski from Taxi now. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't even know. So, um, well, a couple things to talk about. Biden had a big meeting at the White House on Build Back Better. Uh, maybe he's thinking, maybe he's hoping Cinema and Mansion will roll over in the new year. Instead of rocking in the new year, maybe they'll roll over in the new year. Doubtful. Looks like also Mansion and Cinema will be able to do, um, decide on a new Supreme Court justice. Because there's lots to talk about with Stephen Breyer tonight. He decides at least, well, <clears throat> we don't know if he decided. Seems to me that um, clearly he's being pushed here. They talk about Republicans want to push Granny off the cliff. That's what the Democrats always say. Seems to me they want to try to push this guy off the cliff. Or this guy has clearly seen what's coming and said, well, let me, let me throw this guy a lifeline because he's a disaster and they're going to lose both the House and the Senate. So it's a very interesting time. Stephen Breyer says he's going to retire. And I want to start the show tonight with a poll. I think I could actually do this live on Twitter, but let's just put the poll out there. Maybe we'll do it in the commercial break. Who is the new Supreme Court justice nominee going to be? Is it going to be a Justice Harris, Justice Obama and Michelle, or surprise us all, go back on his word, and we have Justice Clinton? Or do we have Justice Harris, VP Clinton, impeach President Biden, President Clinton, finally, one way or the other. Oh, come hella high water. She, <laughs> come hella or a pillow over your face. She finds her way there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's lots of scenarios. I, I thought I wasn't supposed to talk about the, the, the Arkansas kill list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying she'll do whatever she has to do to, to get there. Now there's maybe some new scenarios for her to get there. So we'll, we'll see. But um, to be serious, Biden says 
He's sticking to what he said and picking a black woman. And Wait, you know what? Can we just stop for a second? If you have think something about important to say. Well, think about the world we're in. Imagine 20 years ago they said, we're only going to take an Irish guy or we're oh. only going to take a, a Haitian woman. You know, if, if, could you imagine they only said there was this type of person is the only person qualified? Think about how, how twisted and upside down the world is. I mean, I have no problem if you're qualified getting that job. But the, the fact that they're going to go ahead and say it has to be a black woman, it's, it, it's so patronizing. You know, ah, <laughs> Exactly. It grinds my gears. So Biden says he's going to nominate a African-American woman because that's what he said during the campaign. And he says he will select a SCOTUS nominee based on solely on race. And to Paul's point, <laughs> qualifications will have nothing to do with it. Whether she's most qualified will have nothing to do with it. Who's most qualified will have nothing to do with it. And of course, the media is like, huh, eh, whatever. That's good. You know. I just it, wish it was a transgender furry. And well... <laughs> to to that point, this is this is where you have to check your logic at the door because these this is the same party who will hardline this decision. It has to be a black woman. But when it comes to gender, they can't even tell us what a woman is when it comes to certain things. But here, it's a black woman. But when it comes to anything else, gender, well, it's fluid. That's not necessarily, I mean, when it comes to sports or anything else, we don't get so technical. When it comes to the Supreme Court justice, we're very, we're, we're, we're very precisely, precisely what we're looking for for this. Yeah, position. yeah, we're, we're, we're it's on like, it. It's like they're casting a new commercial where, you know, listen, we really need a black woman and a white man for interracial to bring unity to people in our commercial. We'll create diversity. But we really, it, they're not casting a TV show. Well, maybe they are. You know, maybe, maybe it is as political theater as we all think it is. National Review, guys, the editors at National Review replacing Justice Breyer. Stephen Breyer's retiring at the end of the current Supreme Court term. At the age of 83, after 27 years on the court, we wish him good health and happy retirement. Now, there's also some reports out today from Shannon Bream at Fox that this is not his wishes and that the pressure is on. But we'll get to that here in a second. Is it possible they're going to try to hire someone in their early 20s so they can have her there for 50 years? Well, I, I haven't looked at uh, who he's put up, but I don't believe anyone that young. No. Uh, we, <laughs> I'm kidding. We wish, oh, we wish we could be equally cheery about the prospect that his replacement will be faithful to the Constitution and laws of the United States. The first choice uh, will be Joe Biden's. With a 50-50 Senate and impending fall election, he will have to choose carefully to ensure that his selection can be confirmed. Nothing in Biden's presidency so far suggests that he will bother to interpret correctly what pivotal members of his Senate caucus are thinking and what they're thinking before he makes his choice. Biden has unwisely limited his options by preemptively declaring during the 2020 campaign that his first Supreme Court nominee would be a black woman in a stroke. He disqualified dozens of liberal and progressive jurists for no reason other than their race and gender. This is not a great start in selecting someone sworn to provide equal justice under the law. Unlike Donald Trump, Biden did not run on a named list of potential candidates, so he will then have to sell his nominee now to the public. 
that nominee is almost certain to be progressive, who treats the written Constitution with contempt. Even if Democrats remain united enough to provide the votes to confirm such a nominee, Republicans should extract a political cost in the midterm Senate races for doing so. The last three cycles of Senate elections have shown that fidelity to the Constitution is a winning political issue for Senate Republicans. With a difficult midterm looming and a Biden nominee needing to navigate a closely divided Senate, we hope we have heard the last for some time to talk about court packing. I'm sure we have not. Biden's own commission punted on the issue, and while that was partly to keep the president's options open, progressives have been itching to use threats to the court to influence his decision on abortion and racial preferences. That would become a more politically dangerous game now. In terms of how they will rule on the bench, it may not matter much who Biden nominates. Uh, conventional institutionalist liberals tend to be very every bit as result-oriented and lockstep loyal on the bench as hair-on-fire progressives. Conservatives get nervous about every Republican nominee. Democrats have not sent a genuinely um, uh, heterodox justice to the court since Byron White was appointed by John F. Kennedy. And of course, the difference in when a Democrat not nominates someone to the Supreme Court and when a Republican president nominates someone to the Supreme Court will be on full display because I'm sure whoever Biden nominates will not have their background torn apart, will not have their family um, looked into, will not have their kids uh, at the hearing being told that their mother or father is a uh, rapist. They will not be accused of uh, drugging and rape. They will not be accused. You'll, you'll see none of this. You, you will not question anything about our nominee or, we, we, or you'll be deemed a, a white supremacist, a racist, a bigot, or, or anything else we can throw at you. Oh, no, no, no. This is a Democrat nominee now. Remember Merrick Garland? He was the, he was the greatest nominee in the history of the world. But we're not going to nominate him now, the greatest nominee in the history of the world, because we're going to go with a uh, black woman. But you'll see none of that for, for her. None of that. None of that. None of what you saw for Kavanaugh. None of what you saw for Amy Coney Barrett. None of what you saw for Gorsuch. You will not see this person's life torn into, torn apart, questioned. You will not see her, um, well, you'll see some of her prior cases and writings and that from the Republicans, hopefully. And we'll see what Mitch McConnell can do and what he's willing to do. One of the other, so just, just to cover this, by the way, we don't know where this is at, but there is a report. Breyer wasn't ready to announce retirement today. This from our friends uh, over at Right Scoop. And then again, it, it, is, it is coming from Shannon Bream. Fox News is reporting that Justice Breyer was not ready to announce his retirement today. That someone jumped the gun on the announcement. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and Jen Psaki. Those, those probably be the ones. Get out, they're thinking, because we're on a short time frame here to at least try to keep it. I love how they say 6'3", conservative at 6'3". Yeah, funny. Yeah. Real nice, funny. Nice try. Uh, Shannon Bream said, multiple sources tell me Justice Breyer was not planning to announce his retirement today. They described him as upset with how this has played out. We still await any official notice from his office and or Supreme Court public information 
office. She clarified to say upset might be too strong a word, but he was surprised by the early reveal. Wonder if someone was worried that Breyer might change his mind, made the announcement for him to ensure his retirement ahead of the midterms. There was huge pressure on him to retire. Wouldn't surprise me how that's how this went down. Well, it wouldn't surprise anybody. Wouldn't surprise us if, um, if he doesn't want to retire. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me the pressure he's probably felt and the same pressure that Joe Manchin's felt from the overlords of the Democratic Party and the pressure he's continually felt. So nothing here would surprise me. They don't rally around their own when their own stand in their way, especially in something this important. They'll run the bus over you and then back it back over you to make sure that you're dead. That's what they'll do. Someone in the chat says Biden should nominate the smartest person that he knows, which I guess would be Hunter. Hunter, yes. Uh, just, uh, yeah, yes, Hunter. That's exactly. <laughs> Your new Supreme Court Justice, Hunter, please, uh, do you have anything to say? Not right now, man. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Just getting started. More to do. We're back right after this. from Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. We'll get to the Federal Reserve a little later, what he said today. I'm not sure I can tell you what he said today, quite frankly, because he talked for about 15 minutes, took questions for 30 minutes, and did a really great job of saying a whole lot and saying oh, a whole lot of nothing at yeah. the same time. Oh, Fed speak. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah. You know, half the problem is they have the, all these business... And I'm sure they're nice people. These, these young business reporters that are more worried about whether they look like they just walked out of the old Navy catalog and what they're going to do for the next TikTok than, than asking or showing that they even have a basic understanding of what the hell they're talking about when they ask questions. Ask these questions, it's like, I mean, you got to get to Steve Leishman or some, you know, you got to get to somebody who actually knows what the hell they're talking about to get a real question. Half the questions today, I was like, oh my God, come on. We don't care what he thinks about that. Ask him what the rate hikes are going to be. Ask him if they're going to, if he's going to raise more than a quarter point. Ask him if he's going to raise more than three times. Ask him about, just ask him something that's going to give us something. Ask him whether he thinks he's too late to the party or they should have done that. I mean, I'm what, uh, Chairman Powell, I'm interested in how you think about inflation and how you think about this. I mean, ugh. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the market itself was tepid. There was a little optimism early before it. And, you know, close the buck 30 down, and it's just, again, it's a whole lot of nothing about nothing with a complete... Yeah, you kicked the can down the road, really, to the March meeting now. So you're going to have the same so instability it, in the markets now for another eight weeks. So that's their way of cooling a market, right? So they can temper enthusiasm, right? Keep it level for a little while, slower the excitement, right? Slow the excitement and, and, and kind of... Uh, Leave everybody on eggshells for a little while, right? Yeah, he's clearly going to use his language before he uses any of his tools. Right. And, so. then, you, and then if you look at the charts, it kind of says that we're due for a big 20% correction sometime around March. So wouldn't it be nice if they give us all kinds of fear and 
up until then before the, they hit us over the head with a brick? Well, it's hard for me to imagine we got another 20% in the, in the main markets from where we are now, but uh, never know. I mean, All right, let's do some sports, and then we'll do some more news. Up 100% in two years. Something, I mean, it's got to it's gotta, it's gotta clear out a little bit. But yeah, All right, so back in news, right? You want to do news? No, sure. We could do news first. Oh, Go so ahead. Oh, we doing sports. I'm sorry. All right, we could do sports. Here with sports is oh, Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? No worries. Big D, we got championship weekend coming up, boys. I'm already getting people on Getter asking me about my pick for this weekend. I'm not giving it out just yet, but I know which way I'm leaning. And uh, on I, have Getter- people, I have people on Getter asking me about the weekend, too. And the main questions are, what are you going to do to get out of debt? Are you going to raise your, raise your limit? And then, of course, you run the risk of... Um, Whoa. Whoa! Well, me just coming Easy. right into that house and well, you know, signing the note over. Well, funny you should <laughs> mention it because Mister Mean Meme on Getter said said if Big D is going to set up a GoFundMe account, let me know. I'll throw in. So people are already talking about a get a uh, uh, GoFundMe account. No, no, no! I will not I'm allow the audience, of the, the very fine <laughs> audience of this show, to bail you out of your um, misgivings. No, I'm going to save his marriage. Yeah. Well, we're not doing it through GoFundMe. Absolutely, positively not. Plenty of time. Rick, Big you're weekend. so loved by the girls. Maybe you should do like a topless car wash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then yeah. you should do a wink off. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Topless car wash with a bottomless bank account. All right, here we go. <laughs> NBA mourns the loss of Kobe Bryant on, get this guy's two-year anniversary of the tragic death. Had a lead with this story. Something that really shook the sports world two years ago. The tragic, you know, helicopter crash. Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, 13-year-old. And um, there was another... Uh, um, eight people on board of, of that uh, terrific uh, accident. And I am just wanted to recognize that. And obviously the NBA family is forever. The Los Angeles Lakers said in a tweet with a picture of Bryant embracing Gigi courtside. Uh, Bryant spent his 20-year career with the Lakers. And uh, there's actually a statue of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna was erected on the second anniversary of their tragic death in the location where the accident happened. Uh, pretty big-sized statue, bronze, 150 uh, pounds. Uh, a Los Angeles-based sculpt that Dan Medina erected the uh, temporary statue and they're actually hoping to build a bigger one in that area so i just can't believe that was two years ago and really just stunned the sports world he was retired at the time but still it was you know just unbelievable when it had happened january 26th 2000 uh and daniel medvedev sets up stefano Tsitsipas semi-final for day 10 at the australian open uh this is eleanor crooks of the tennis correspondent in melbourne number two daniel medvedev kept his australian open hopes alive with a memorable comeback to beat felix olga alasami and reach the semi-finals uh there the title uh, will face a uh, number four stefano Tsitsipas, who blew away janique sinner while igak switek uh, and uh switek and uh daniel collins made it through to the women's last four. A change of schedule this year sees the women's semifinals occupy Thursday night session tomorrow night, and Ashley Barty will look to continue her dominant form against Madison Keys, while Svitek uh, meets Collins. And uh, number seven, Matteo Berrettini plays number six, Rafael Nadal. So, I mean, uh, you know, Medvedev Nadal uh, final will be a pretty interesting on Saturday, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that, and I'll report on that big day. But that's a wrap in sports for this segment. Back to you. All right, very good, Rick. Thanks. We'll do some more sports. Time to do some news. News is Sponsored by our friends at 7Cells, 7Cells.com, where you, the live from Studio 6B audience this week, can get up to 20% off your order, uh, whether it's the uh, the pack, whether it's the ivermectin, whether it's one of the direct things. You can buy single, you can buy the pack. The uh, You know, the pack is just, you want to have it before you get sick. That's the point of it. Have it before you get sick, so you have it. Early treatment pack, ready to go. The ivermectin, the uh, the nits, the... Um, the uh, Z-Pack, 
and the um the the uh, pregnisone there not pregnisone but the steroid there uh the mix of all four i mean i tell you it just knocked the hell out of it for me. So this week, 20% off from our friends at 7cells.com. Use code LFS6B. Uh, here's the news with Paul. What's going on, pal? Um, America's favorite sweetheart, Nancy Pelosi, says she's running for re-election in 2022. Uh, after months of speculation on a future in Congress, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said on Tuesday uh, she's running for re-election. In a video posted online, Pelosi said, I am running for re-election to Congress, and respectfully, I seek your support, explaining that she believes her re-election could bolster Democrats, I'm sorry for laughing, and President Biden's agenda. Well, she said, while we've made progress, much more needs to be done to improve people's lives. And uh, the 181-year-old said, uh, who was first elected to the House in 1887, Oh, wait, it was 81 years old in 1987. Uh, yeah, she's, she's coming back, man. What do you think of that, D? Um, mm. I mean, I, I think it's a great day for America. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Anytime Madame Tussauds says she's going to hang around a little more, we can see if her face actually really does fall right off. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. I mean, she's starting to look more and more like the Crypt Keeper every day. Well, yeah, so we'll, we'll just see. So. So I don't know. I uh, it's pretty uh, it's 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 pretty scary times that she's um, feels the country needs her. But I don't know if you guys have been following what's going on in uh, in Kiev. But inside Kiev, mood is calm, skeptical of invasion. It looks like a political game. The soldiers are saying the armed forces of Ukraine are on alert, but not alarmed. Said one soldier. That's because we're very well prepared to fight. Eastern European and Western governments rush to. Pre- pre-war footing over an anticipated Russian invasion of Ukraine. The moon inside of Kiev remains calm and skeptical as uh, local uh, citizens just told just the news. Uh, people in the town are not worried. Um, one of the locals said the majority of the population don't believe in the intentions of Russia. It looks like a political game, despite all the deep concerns of the U.S. and the EU. Those views are echoed uh, currently by serving soldier Anatoly, who said that his uh, relatives living in America are far more concerned about the situation than he is. They call me every day. Did they attack? I tell them, would I be talking on the phone if Russia attacked? Myself, I do not believe this will happen. And the people of Kiev are more worried about COVID-19 mandates than about an invasion. Anatoly said, noting that the demonstrators on January 24th protested COVID-19 restrictions and mandates, you know, were growing uh, by the day. So... You know, it's uh, looks like saber rattling and propaganda. All right, live from Studio Six B. We'll do some more news, more sports. When we get back, we'll do some. Uh, we got Crazy Town coming up. Biden gathered CEOs today to uh, push back up on Build Back Better. We'll get to that. LOL, the day we got lots to do. Glad you're in on a Wednesday night. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B. She put up our um, look at this headline I see in the Daily Wire: 
Fauci suggests children under four years old will get three doses of COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, this is Joseph Mengele all over again. This I mean, is crazy. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I didn't look at the Fauci suggests children under four years old will get three doses of COVID-19 vaccine once it's approved, referring to the plan as a three-dose regimen. Good God. The information was shared during a White House press briefing on COVID-19. So not, not, so not only are they abusing these kids in school, you have the governor of New York pushing back on the judge saying your, your mask mandate is way, way out of line. You don't have the authority to do it. She gets this run to the most liberal judge she can find, activist judge she can find in New York, and there's plenty of them. They put a stay in place. Now they have this hearing on Friday again. I've invited the plaintiff of that, um, Michael Demetrio, I believe his name is, on the show, and I have not heard back yet. I'd like to uh, see if we can get him on to discuss this. I saw he put a post up saying that he feels good about the hearing on Friday. And uh, I like his optimism, but I just remember where we, what state we're in here, and the judges, I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll see if it comes down to the arguments or not. But um, as Phil Kirpin told us, I, I, I just... You have a demographic here that is in, I mean, almost non-existent um, danger. I know there's some kids who get sick. I know there's been kids who have gone to the hospital. But to be ruining every single kid their, these last two, three years, their lives, and the way that, especially kids who have been new to kindergarten and school, have never seen their teacher's face, don't know anything but doing this, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Cut six, G. You want to see how this is affecting kids? Roll this. Jacqueline Teek says during this pandemic, her speech therapy clinic has seen an enormous shift in the ages of their patients. Oh, Before the pandemic, only 5% of patients were babies and toddlers. Today, it has soared to 20%. Many parents calling it COVID delayed. We've seen a 364% increase in patient referrals of babies and toddlers from pediatricians and parents. And they are children that are having a difficult time speaking. Speech delayed. Babies start learning how to speak by reading lips as young as eight months. So what happens when lips and faces are covered up by masks? Well, therapists say for some kids, they can work around the mask and still learn to speak perfectly this fine. Is so but for others, it can cause speech delays. There's no research out there yet to say that this could be causing speech and language delays, but most definitely it's, I'm sure, a factor. It's very important kids do see your face to learn, so they're watching your mouth. That's orange. Can you say orange? Orange. That was a good try. Brianna Gay is raising five children, but it's her youngest who needs therapy. It definitely makes a difference when the world you're growing up in, you can't interact with people and their face. That's super important to babies, so. We're seeing a lot of things that look just like autism. They're not making any word attempts and not communicating at all. And, and the governor of New York is uh, all down with it. All down with it. She doesn't, makes no distinction. She makes no distinction about the dangers that a kid like that is in or me or you or our parents are in. She thinks it's all the same. She thinks they all have to be covered up the same. That evil person right there on your screen. You know, you think about it, right? 
you know, how inhumane all this is. You know, we've had um, our moms and our fathers and our cousins and relatives suffering alone in hospitals because it couldn't have human contact in their dying days. Where in human history has that ever been an answer? And now the children, they're born with masks on and they know nothing other than this. It's psychotic. It's psychotic. I'm going to tell you a story, speaking of that, because this also has really started to show the, under, the dark underbelly of these, some of these hospital administrators. And um, I, I can't say doctors and nurses who work there, frontline people, because they're probably just under orders from administration. But I tell you, I don't know what's going on in hospitals. And I, I had to, I'm not going to say who it was, but I had a conversation with somebody who was very intertwined. And it was a disturbing conversation about they will, if they can fill a bed with a COVID patient, it pays them what it pays them. And they'll, they'll hold that bed out for any other reason to fill it. Broken leg, heart attack, stro- anything else, because the pay is so much different. And uh, he waited 16 hours to get monoclonal antibodies when you could still get them. And they gave him such a heart. I mean, he was having trouble breathing. They gave him such a After 15 hours, they were trying to nitpick certain, like, it was almost like, oh, you didn't cross your T here, so we can't take you right now. He was like, what is, go- what is going on here in these hospitals is just unbelievable. But not to get too far off the beaten track, but she, Pokal makes no distinction between those kids and me or my parents. No distinction. Look at this. Sick. Absolutely sick. And by the way, uh, Rick Amorati, and I know, I don't know how much contact you have. I don't know what it's going to take to get Lee Zeldin on this show. I will do whatever I have to do to help Lee Zeldin get elected governor. If I have to take this show on the road with him to every spot he goes, and we have to, I don't care what we have to do. I will do whatever. He can come on this show every night as we continue to expand the audience and the reach. Yep. And he can count on money. We have to get Lee Zeldin on this show. Time to start efforting that again. And we have to do whatever. We have to get Lee Zeldin elected. All right, D. I'll make some calls. Because, you know, I say this and then I'm here I go. There's a lot of the state that would be very happy with Kathy Hochul for four more years, six more years, whatever oh, the hell it no. is. Which is just, it is astounding to me that that could be the case. But that's the case. That's the case. So, uh, a couple of things, uh, a couple other things here let's get to. Speaking of, um, well, let's do cut seven, G, because it's this kind of... Um, relates to what's going on in Long Island, the schools, and what this hearing uh, Friday is going to be. Roll that. What's it like to be treated like this by people who are supposed to be there to help you learn and grow? Yeah, um, it was more of a feeling of, like, disappointment and, you know, like, abandonment that I felt coming from, you know, like, my entire school administration. Um, It was more... It was more that and less hurtful. I just felt, you know, like I was kind of like kicked to the curb by my entire school who was, they were supposed to be the ones, you know, backing me up, encouraging me to attend school, to go learn. You know, it's not every day that you hear a teenager wants to go to school. 
But in this case, you know, that's all we wanted here. We weren't here to protest. We weren't here to make a point. We weren't here to start any, you know, drama or commotion on campus. We were just, we were just there to go to school. Yeah, and she got kicked out of school for not being vaccinated. And you have students on Long Island where we're located getting removed, not being allowed to go to school, locked in the library. I saw a, a, a story today on Long Island. I don't know what district it was. And then we have a case in Virginia that's similar to, to the Long Island case I saw today about kids getting locked in the library. Cut four, G, roll that. This is the auditorium where my son has been seated. Rachel Kulak shows us where her son Andrew spent his Monday inside this auditorium at Henrico's Deep Run High School without his face mask and the majority of his classmates. So to hear that he's been corralled into the auditorium, separated, segregated from his classmates um, for exercising his right uh, to not wear a mask in this environment is, is frustrating and it's upsetting. January 24th, the day Governor Yunkin's executive order number two went into effect, mm. empowering parents like Kulak and Tanya Peake to make decisions on whether their children wear a mask in school. He was pretty happy to claim a little bit of his rights back. Peake's freshman Nathaniel walked into Clover Hill High School without a mask and said when he wouldn't accept one, he was handed plexiglass. Here's the text I got this morning, which was, boxed in, but smiling with a big smiley face. Um, at this point, he's, I mean, it's been two years. He's ready to breathe. On Monday, these high school students went into school maskless, and they were sent to the auditorium with other maskless students. Several students and their parents told 7 News they were bored and weren't given enough lessons or homework to fill the school day. We heard the same concerns from the Platt family. The Platts are hoping school districts will listen to what voters decided last November. He elected a new governor, and, uh, you know, the first thing he did was the new executive order, which states that we as parents have the fundamental rights to decide mask or no mask. There was a significantly higher vote turnout, and that speaks to the fact that people were motivated to engage in the process. And I would ask the same question. I'm trying to find um, Harmeet Dillon, of course, the fantastic attorney. Well, well, you look for that. I don't know if you know, I don't know, Rick, if you've seen this, but this is going around the parent groups on Long Island. Um, the, it's, a, it's a brief letter that says, I'm a 17-year-old high school senior. Today, Tuesday, January 25th, 2022, was the first time I had been to school without a mask on for almost two years. I saw smiles and laughs. But today was the first time in my life I was used as a pawn by politicians in my state. When the mandate was put back in, in, into effect less than 24 hours later, and I'm appalled, upset, furious. But I'm not going to let this fly by, and I'm encouraging all New York State residents to pack their public school parking lots this Thursday, January 27th at 12 p.m., honk the horns, make signs and chant, unmask our kids, and let freedom ring. It's it's time we the people take back our freedom. So join me. Let our voices be heard. And this is um, a, a, I'm not going to say a name, but it's a a, a student from uh, a local high school yep. asking all high schools to uh, to step up and and just and just do what you got to do. This is yeah. an, this is insane. That's getting out in a lot of the moms groups, the chat mom groups. So I think uh, you might see what kind of action we have tomorrow at twelve o'clock. Be great. Throw this up, G. What I have there. So this is Harmeet Dillon, the great attorney, of course. And she's linked to this high school in New York reportedly locks students up in a library 
for not wearing a mask after the courts ruled the mask mandate was unconstitutional. And as she says here, and this is what I don't understand, where the hell are the attorneys? I mean, we live in a, we live in a litigious society when we, don't, when we all don't want to be and we think it's too much. People are sick of these, uh, you know, you, you know, these ambulance chasing attorneys. Now, now is the time. Where are you? Like she says, use your law degree for a good, for some change. Where are you? Sue these people. Push back, stand up. I mean, this is crazy what's going on. I'm going to see if I can get Michael Demetrio on this show. On, I, know, I know they're going to court Friday, so probably not. Maybe afterwards. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get him on. Because this hearing on Friday, um, the follow-up on the stay that uh, Kim Jong-un and address was able to get. So we'll see now what happens with this. It's the same judge who now is going to hear the case. I think it's Judge Miller. But... Um, you know, it's kind of like I started the show last night. It's just enough. Leave our kids alone. They're in very little to zero danger. These masks do not do anything. Let them breathe. And it is time for some common sense to come back. All right, more sports and more news when we get back. Live from Studio 6B. to the hour live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Time to do some sports. And here with that is Slick Rick. What's going on, pal? Back to the rodeo. We got a surprise Wednesday night rodeo. Fort Worth Stock Show. Fort Worth, Texas. Don't want to miss it. Bear back riding. Bracket three. First round. Tanner House. 87 points on bartender. Picked up 1,760 cool ones. Maybe give me a loan there on my uh, losses on the weekend. Steer wrestling, bracket three. Tyler Wagaspeck, 4.2 seconds. Team roping, bracket three as well. Ren Richard, Jeremy Bueller, and Tyler Wade, Trey Yates. All tied, 4.4 seconds. Saddlebronk, Wyatt Hagman, 86 points. And tie down, bracket three, um, Bell Cooper and Trenton Smith, uh, eight and a half seconds. Last but not least, Bauer Racing, Cheyenne Wimberley, 16.46 seconds. Picked up 1,700 bucks. And this is a good story here. In fact, Carol Brown on Getter, at Slick Rick Sports. You want to follow me on Getter? Because I follow you back. Uh, but anyway, Carol Brown said, Rick, did you see this story? And I said, I have it tonight. Cheese fans donate to Buffalo's Children's Hospital in tribute to Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen. Chalina Goldman of Yardbarker reporting. Buffalo Bill fans have created a habit over the last several seasons of giving back to other teams' charities following big victories. After the Bills were defeated by the Kansas City Chiefs in last weekend's wild card uh, AFC divisional game, uh, actually, wild, <laughs> wild AFC divisional game, check that, Chiefs fans chose to return the favor. Starting
Starting on Tuesday, Chiefs fans began sending donations in $13 increments to O'Shea's Children's Hospital in Buffalo, which has a significant connection with Bills quarterback Josh Allen. The number 13 likely could give Bills fans fits right now, given that's how many seconds it took for the Chiefs to tie up Sunday's game, ironically, before going on to win in overtime and knock Buffalo out of the playoffs. However, the hospital reported earlier today that they raised $178,000 in donations. So hats off to the Buffalo Bill fans. Class acts up there, upstate New York, and uh, really good stuff. The Chiefs, however, are going to go on to host the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game this Sunday, and you'll have to check in on Friday. I'm giving a couple of sneak peeks at my pick for the weekend, but uh, I kind of tipped my hand a little on Getter. You might want to check that out, but uh, looking forward to the weekend. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I tipped my hand, Big D. You know how I roll. You know where I'm going this weekend with these Favorite over. Pull your shop, man. You're right on the money. <laughs> and speaking of the weekend, fans loved Al Michaels' call at the end of the Bucks uh, Rams playoff game. This is from Larry Brown Sports. The ending to the Tampa Bay Buccaneer LA Ram playoff game on Sunday was wild, and there was nobody better to have on the call than good old Al Michaels. The Rams blew a 27 3 third quarter lead against the Bucks before eventually prevailing 30 27 on a field goal to win the game before the Rams kicked the winning field goal. As time expired, Tampa Bay actually had tied the game with 42 seconds left. And uh, after Leonard Fournant uh, scored a touchdown to make it 27-26, Michaels delivered a great line. This is officially lunacy, Michaels said while calling the game for NBC. Well, it trended like crazy all over the social media, and uh, they just went wild over that. No, that's why the 77-year-old Michaels, he gets the big bucks, and he's in line for a huge TV contract with Amazon, and I hear ESPN wants to get their hat in the ring on that bid. So anyway, thought that was cute, but yeah, this is officially lunacy. One of the best football weekends. Al's good with uh, Collinsworth. I, I like them. I know some people think they're annoying. I don't know. I think they're good. I By like the way, them. I think Buck and, and um, Troy are great, too. And I, I know people I like hate Troy. Buck. I like Troy. Buck is just He's just uh, he's annoying. He's annoying is yeah. right. But it is hard to talk for three hours yeah, I guess on my, live TV and not start to for, annoy people. Yeah, well, we do it pretty <laughs> easy. My bar for uh, these guys, I guess it's not that high. I, well, I don't know. Well, that's how I feel. Like you know, I, I love I love Romo. Actually, Romo and Romo's uh, great. Nance are Romo's great. fantastic. Nance yeah. is so lovable though. Yes. Like that's the thing. Yes. Like, Hello, the, friends. Yeah, like he's just so like you know he's just, he's just such a nice guy. He yeah. comes across that way. Little gentleman. Tiger yeah, on the Buck 16. comes across condescending and uh, but Aikman's so good ah, at his job. Ah, come on. Oh, come on. How can you say come on to that? I mean, Championship weekend, guys. The best weekend probably in all the sports. But I, I think uh, last weekend's going to be a tough one to top, boy. Yeah, I think you could be right about that. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I agree these, with you too. These boy, two that was could, unbelievable. They could be duds, but I don't think they're going to be this weekend. I don't yeah. think they're going to be at all, which so, I think you're going to be in just huge trouble. <laughs> I, I think SoFi is going to be insane with Niners you're, and uh, Rams fans. You know, I'm going to play Nancy Pelosi's re-election video here in a second. Oh, God. You could be living in San Francisco in a tent there after this weekend. <laughs> you could fit right in. I could. Other than the sparkles and the boots, maybe. <laughs> no, so. well, that would fit in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, you know. Hey, so, gee, Paul didn't see this. He saw the very formal version of her. He, her... He'd be homeless for about 20 minutes before some guy picked him up and made him his housemate. <laughs> Great, Paul. That's what I wanted to be, somebody's pool boy. Paul saw the formal uh, of Pelosi. He didn't see this one, G. Put, throw this one up there, Paul. Look at this one. Watch this one. It's Nancy. Thank you for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you, our VIPs, our volunteers in politics, in our ongoing engagement for the people. 
Thank you for being a constant source of new, fresh ideas <laughs> and political activism to help Democrats deliver yeah. and to defend democracy. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the privilege to represent our city and our San Francisco values in the Congress. Human rights, reproductive justice, LGBTQ equality, respect for immigrants, and care for each other. Oh, she's got to be kidding. At this when people case. ask me what are the three most important issues facing the Congress, I always say the same thing. Our children, our children, our children. The health, their education, the housing and economic security of their families, a clean, safe environment in which they can thrive, and a world at peace and where they are all welcome and in which they can reach their fulfillment. Sure. That is my why, why I am in Congress for the children. Sure. This is my story and this is my song. Yeah, As you hear me it. say, when you're in the arena, you have to be able to take a punch or throw a punch oh, good. for the children. Yes. In terms of health, my first right. words on the floor of the House were to fight against HIV AIDS, <laughs> to fight the disease and discrimination. Working together, we pass the Affordable Care Act, strengthen Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid, <laughs> lower prescription drug prices, and now funny. are fighting COVID with equity. Sure. In San Francisco, the climate is not an issue. It is an ethic. Education, oh. the economy, and the environment are all part of how we address the climate crisis, creating good-paying green union jobs, mm -hmm. affordable housing, clean energy, infrastructure, transportation justice, and education, educating the next generation to succeed in safe schools with oh 21st century skills. Our safe communities require gun violence prevention, addressing root causes of crime, and supporting God. law enforcement with justice in policing. Our vision for a world of peace requires a strong democracy at home as an example to the world. We are grateful to our men and women in uniform, veterans and military families, and honor their sacrifice with our insistence on securing voting rights, an end to big dark money in politics, and amplifying Boy, the voice the of the grassroots. Of here. Oh, no. While we've made progress, much more needs to be done to improve people's lives. Our democracy is at risk because of assaults on the truth, the assault Checking on the U.S. Capitol, and the state-by-state -state assault on voting rights. This election is crucial. Nothing less is at stake than our democracy. But as we say, we don't agonize, we organize. And that is why I am running for re-election to Congress and respectfully seek your support. He wants to I'm agonize you. I'm honored by it and grateful for it. Thank you so much. There you Thank go. you so much. As Benny says, accurate and Nancy Pelosi video. So there you Boy. go, Paul. That's the official one, actually. That's the well, one you found on her is the unofficial one, right? Well, you know, she needs the propaganda behind it to show how what a nice job she's done. Good on her. And of course, it's always the same. Um, I asked myself, and I'm now asking it about New York too. I mean, I, I just can't imagine that California. There's a lot of smart people in San Francisco, a lot of business people. There's a lot of tech there. They want to walk outside their house and see this. They want they they can't go into the city without dealing with that. And this is what the leader. This is the leadership you want. You want people like this who don't give a damn about your police, don't care about, don't, don't want to support Cashel's bail like the governor of New York. And this is what your streets end up looking like. This is what you want. This is who you want your leadership to be. All right, we'll do news with Paul when we get back. We'll do Crazy Town, LOL, the day. Lots to do. Live from Studio Six B on a Wednesday.
right, hour two, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029, Paul's doing some news, Rick Gamarotti's doing sports, GeoFran here holding it down as always. We got Crazy Town coming up here in hour two, we got LOL of the Day coming up here in hour two. Got a couple other packages, good stories here to get to. Um... So with everything going on with COVID and masks in New York, we're focused on some of these things getting shot down. Hopefully some sanity coming back. Of course, Biden's disastrous press conference last week. One of the, um, <clears throat> one of the things we can't lose focus on, of course, no one asked. Biden cares about every other border in the world except for our own. And um, we've been seeing some disturbing footage. You know, I never, I don't know if I ever talked about this on air, but Gio, me, one night leaving the studio, saw some of this firsthand here in New York on Long Island. It was a moving truck parked on the side of the highway across the street over here from the studio or in the this highway over here. I think Paul mentioned it one night when you weren't here, but it was brief. We're leaving the studio and there's this moving truck in the pitch black over there. And all of a sudden, they open up the side door and, and there wasn't any couches and love seats coming out. There's what looked like moving uh, border crossers into a, well, let's just say, n- not the Ritz-Carlton <laughs> hotel that happens to be over there. Yeah. So you've been seeing other footage now across Texas and other places. Of all of these secret flights that have been flying around. So a couple things I want to play here. So this is Ducey from the other day asking uh, yesterday, talking to Saki. Roll that first, G. A question about immigration. Sure. Why is it that large numbers of single adult men are being released into the United States just hours after being apprehended at the southern border? Well, I'm not sure the specifics of what you're referring to, Peter. Uh, What I can tell you in terms of what our policy is and how we're approaching the border is that we continue to be under Title 42. Uh, Migrants who cannot be expelled under Title 42 are placed into immigration proceedings. And one of those avenues could be placement in an alternative to detention program in the interior of the United States. Sometimes that means moving migrants to other parts of the United States to move to different detention facilities where they wait for next steps in the immigration process, such as a court hearing and are required to check in with a local ICE uh, office. Uh, so that is some, certainly something that is happening out there in the country and is consistent with our policy. And you mentioned that they're supposed to check in at a local ICE office, but we know that just between March and August, which is a very small sample size, DHS says more than 47,000 of these migrants that were given notices to report did not show up. So why let them into the U.S. unsupervised in the first place? Well, again, we have a stringent uh, protocols and processes that we implement here. Uh, that includes uh, expelling uh, individuals who come in under Title 42, given we are still in a global pandemic, and includes uh, those who are, do not show up will be subject to the repercussions of that. So that is the policy we're implementing uh, from our Homeland Security Department. Gee, kick it over to uh, our Twitter, LF, at LFS6B here on Twitter. So. And Jen Saki first says to Peter Ducey, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. Well, maybe she should contact 
multiple people on Twitter who have seemed to have gotten footage of these buses. And I'm going to just roll you through some of it here. So this is uh, Allie Bradley, who is an jur- independent journalist. She was able to find footage here. Uh, single adult men released by ICE at San Antonio Airport. My source says migrants are released daily with a notice to appear on own recognizance and given a cell phone ankle monitor as a tracker. The men I spoke with had neither of those. Single adults are supposed to be expelled under Title 42. And if we go up here, this is on Bill McGurn's uh, Twitter from Fox LA. Here's some more footage. Single adult male migrants chained, cuffed, are being released by the federal government at the same parking garage in Brownsville. Are you kidding me? Right now. Okay, then there's, there's more. There's more, you say? And as you continue to go up, oh my there's more. Another bus just pulled up, unloading. Then you have this. Another large group of single adult male illegal immigrants has just been released by ICE in Brownsville. And is being walked to a bus station by an NGO. Some of the men were, were, uh, are wearing ankle monitors. Several tried to shield their faces from our cameras. This is what's going on in your country, in your c- cities. You know, they should give them uh, weapons, too, while they're at it. Why not? I mean, this would have their own, you know, army. Some I mean, ghost it's amazing. Guns. This is unbelievable. Like, it's just amazing what, what a mess this is. Here's more footage from uh, 22 minutes ago. Bronzeville, Texas, today we once again witnessed repeated mass releases of single adult male male immigrants by ICE. We've seen hundreds of men released from Fed custody here in the last 24 hours. So that brings me to this. And Rob Astorino, I believe, Rick, isn't he from New York? Yep. Rob Astorino? Yep. So I don't know if he's... I don't know if this is him or this is just him posting it. He's posting a government contractor talking about secret midnight flights from the southern border into Westchester, New York. Now, it's a little noisy because the plane is running, but this is worth watching. I want you to watch this and read the, uh, the subtitles. Here. Westchester County Executive. That's the there you go. Here we go. This is just no, I, I get it. I just like I said, stuff that we don't tell people because what we don't want to do is attract attention. We don't want the media. Yeah. Like we don't even know where we're going when they tell us. Yeah. Right. Obviously. I get the whole secrecy and all this, shit, but this is even about my. Favorite. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> So we'll, we'll just focus on this last part, because if it gets out, the government is betraying the American people. That's why it has to be a big secret. Yeah. Astorino ran for governor on the Republican ticket in 2014 for New York State, big day. If it gets out, the government is betraying the American people. So I thought that was probably important for you to see, so you can remember what's going on at our own border. 
as Biden is worried about other borders, he's not worried at all about ours. Neither is the vice president who's in charge of it, supposedly. Not worried about it at all. So, a uh, l- couple things. Let's change. Well, actually, Paul, you had some a couple more news stories you wanted to do. Well, I mean, it's it's not the path what we just did. I mean, I was just going to talk about Herschel Walker's, you know, Senate campaign reportedly raised five point four million during the last quarter of twenty twenty one, and the uh, campaign uh, reported financial support from over forty four thousand donors across the country during the final three months of twenty twenty one, bringing the candidates. Uh, campaign fundraising totals to nearly 10 million since launching in August. Uh, the retired NFL star received the endorsement from President Trump in his challenge against the Democratic Senator uh, Raphael Warnock, and who reportedly raised almost 10 million dollars in the last quarter. And in the 2020, um, I'm sorry, the 2021 during his initial run, he raised 125 million dollars, according to the Federal Election Com- Commission, and. Um, Reportedly, he has $23 million in cash on hand before he starts raising even more. So, um, you know, you just got to wonder where all this money's coming from. It's, it's uh, you know, now Herschel's doing well, but he's going to need to do better. Yeah. Well, I mean, if anyone thinks the Democrats are just going to roll over in places and not, and they don't have uh, a fiery supportive base in some parts. Yeah, they have uh, the richest liberals in the world. Yeah, you're fooling yourself. They're still going to be able to fundraise and... <clears throat> I know it's an unpopular decision by me, but as soon as we get some clarification on what 2024 is going to look like, trust me, they are going to unite, whether it's Trump or DeSantis or neither or both or whatever. I'm not singling out that it has to be Trump, but trust me, whoever it is, will, um, they, will, they will start to unite. Now, that, I don't know if it will help. Nothing will help Biden poll numbers, um, quite frankly, but the rest of the, these local and st- in state elections, they will they will still fundraise and and, and unite easily. Yeah. So speaking of uh, one of the other things I wanted to get to because we didn't play this yesterday and I had this yesterday, and we talked a little bit to Phil Kerbin about it was this monoclonal antibodies. Cut one G. DeSantis on what is going on in Florida with the monoclonal right now. Roll that. Early this morning, uh, thousands of Floridians woke up to news that their appointments to get treatment for COVID-19 infection uh, were canceled by the Biden administration, which revoked, outright revoked authorization for two very popular monoclonal antibody treatments that the state of Florida really pioneered over the summer and that we've worked hard to make available uh, to our residents uh, who needed treatment. Mind you, the number of the people that seek this treatment are overwhelmingly people that have been vaccinated, um, but yet they're still infected and many of them are high risk. Now they are relying on revoking this and pulling the rug out from under people on a single non-peer-reviewed, non-clinical study that was actually done by a consultant for a rival company to the other two monoclonal antibody treatments. This is not based on a clinical trial. This is not even peer-reviewed. And so this is something that they claim shouldn't be used because we have Omicron. And what we would say in Florida is we have had people use it and we've had good results. It's not 100%. We understand that. Uh, But you also don't even know when someone goes in, whether it's Omicron or still the Delta. Yes, mostly in Florida, it's going to be Omicron at this point. Uh, But it's really a reckless decision to be able to take this option away from patients 
when we've had the site set up, we've had this distributed to different medical uh, uh, groups or, or hospitals. And if somebody wants to try, it was very effective against the Delta. If you look at once that the, that program went in, you know, you saw a huge decline in hospitalizations. And we were proud to be able to fill a really a void which shouldn't have existed if you had people, the higher ups were actually promoting early treatment, which they weren't. So we we're proud of that. But even if with Omicron, it's half as effective or even 25 percent as effective, uh, that's better than nothing for people. And as I've said, anecdotally, we've had people that have had their symptoms resolved after doing it uh, just in the last uh, month of doing this. So, so this is wrong what they're doing. Uh, and we have many people now who are very concerned because they were going to go in and get it today or tomorrow. And now they're being told that it would be illegal for a provider to give it to them, all based off one observational, non-peer-reviewed study uh, and this is done, I think, uh, in a very good, haphazard fashion. You know, what's funny about that is, of course, when you talk to Fauci about you bring up uh, IVM or any of these other ones, hydroxy, he's like, well, you need double-blinded peer-reviewed studies. But when it comes to pulling the monoclonal from a governor they don't like, eh, we don't need those. Just pull it. Unbelievable. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. More news, more sports coming up. Well, you knew this was coming. Nancy Pelosi has decided to run for speaker again, going back on her promise that she was going to step down after this term. As the 2022 midterms take center stage in Congress this year, Pelosi faces a critical test in her career as Republicans jockey to take power in Congress. Pelosi has a long storied history in politics, dating back to the time from when her father was mayor of Baltimore in the 50s and the family was heavily involved in politics. Baltimore was a different place back then, earning the name Charm City, and now because of liberal democratic policies and rampant crime, people are leaving. Just like San Francisco, Pelosi's home district, these cities have experienced increased crime, homelessness, and outright lawlessness after progressive initiatives have failed to improve the lives of citizens and protect victims. After a career of more than 30 years in politics, Pelosi faces a challenging task of retaining control of the House of Representatives because of the record number of Dems not seeking re-election. With President Trump holding events and playing a role as kingmaker for the time being, Pelosi will have to provide an answer to what happened after the security lapse on January 6th. If Republicans take control of the House, be prepared for the fight surrounding January 6th to extend into the 2024 election. I'm Christopher Carter here in Washington. All right, 18 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. So I'm isn't it illegal to, um, to, to force um, someone to take a drug? Yeah, that too. But no, but I'm getting to the Supreme Court thing, to him saying I'm just I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm electing a black woman. Isn't it illegal to kind of um, shun other races in government positions like that? How does he do that? I believe that goes against Equal Opportunity Act. Yeah, how does he do that? So, it's, it's staggering. That he can just settle on it and it's okay with everybody. <laughs> if you, you know, you do that in anything else, what you hear from these, the same people who will support this 
If the NFL hires the best coach and he happens to be a white guy, what do you hear? Oh, not enough diversity. Oh, my God. They scream forever. Doesn't matter if he's the most qualified. But here's Biden on the Supreme Court, lifetime appointment. That's going to be an African-American woman, and I'm not, going to, I'm not even considering anyone else. And everybody's okay with it. Yeah, I'm hoping she's really short, and uh, I really hope she, she's um, L- of the LGBT community as well. Like, I mean, Ugh. they just check off all these boxes, and, and it, it's just, it, we've lost all, all reason. It's crazy. I just don't know how he, I don't know how legally he can get away with it. No he one can do, anyone he's challenges above the law. He's above the law. I mean, there is, it, and the media runs cover like you know. It's, it, it, no one's going to say a word about it. It's, it's well, I'm not worried about whether they're going to say a word about. It. I'm wondering about it if it's actually legal to do it. There's no way it's legal, but they they're. <laughs> All right, well, we'll look into it. Let's let's do some sports and hear what that's uh, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, well, I love our Geta followers, and you know what? One of them actually corrected Slick Rick, and I'm going to shout them out, KL Buckaroo. I actually ran that story about the Chiefs fans donating all that money to the Buffalo Bills on behalf of Josh Allen, and then I said the great Bills fans, but no, it's really the great Kansas City Chiefs fan, fans in this particular case that donated the bulk of that $178,000 to the uh, charity for on behalf of Josh Allen. So good stuff there, and thank you, KL Buckaroo. Uh, but getting to UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou needs knee surgery out nine months. This is Zach Wasink of, of, uh, of Yardbarker. Francis Ngannou uh, won the UFC uh, heavyweight championship back in March of 2021. And uh, no question uh, on his status after uh, the night, the fight over a surreal gain uh, at UFC 270 on uh, Saturday night, which uh, obviously won the big championship. It was a tough fight, but uh, he won it on a decision. But Ngannou uh, already wasn't committed to rushing back into the cage for several reasons, and it appears he'll be physically out of action for the foreseeable future. Uh, Markel Martin, Ngano's manager, told Brett Akamato of ESPN Wednesday the 35-year-old is set to undergo knee surgery to repair a torn MCL and damaged ACL. He initially suffered training for the bout versus gone. So um, he'll be out for a little bit, but that, what are you going to do? That's what it is. Heavyweight uh, UFC be a little quiet for the next year or so. Uh, and uh, IOC says it talked with Peng Shui last week and will meet her in Beijing. This is from The Guardian. The International Olympic uh, Committee has said it had a conversation with Chinese tennis player Peng Shui uh, last week and plans to meet her in Beijing during next month's Winter Olympics. Peng's uh, situation became a matter of concern back in November. We know the story. Zhang Li sexually assaulted her. Now she's claiming that she never stated that, even though it was posted on her social media, and obviously she disappeared for about two months. Uh, the Winter Games do begin uh, in China on February 4th, and I have a funny feeling this is going to be the lowest watched and least interested Olympics maybe in, in the history of the game since they've really been televised since back in the 60s. You know, I don't I just don't see the interest this year. I'm not even getting excited about it, Paul, especially we don't have our NHL players going. I don't know how good we'll do. I mean, I, I'll still watch tune into the hockey because I just love it. It's like, you know, I don't I'd much, ra- it, but... I'd much rather it be like a miracle story and let the kids play and the pros are already set. Yeah, we'll see. But I just don't think the interest will be there for the TV ratings. But Big D, back to you. All right. Thanks, Slick Rick. Uh, I want to thank Forever forever MAGA on our um, getter here who, who tagged Lee Zeldin and said, Congressman Zeldin, tonight, 126, 122, Damon from Live from Studio 6B is pleading for Lee Zeldin to appear on the show as often as possible. I just want to give you exposure because we need you as our governor. So let's go. hope that... Uh, nice. Lee Zeldin maybe um, 
will make himself a little more available to come on the show. We have reached out to him in many different ways, but it seems extremely hard to, uh, to get him on the show. So, All right, well, let's do some more news. News is uh, sponsored by our friends at 7cells.com. You have 20% off this week exclusively for live from Studio 6B audience. 7cells.com, use code LFS6B at checkout for 20% off. What's going on in the news, Paul? So, uh, by the way, my uh, getter is going good. I'm almost at 2,500. Thank you, everybody. Um, It's P-O-P-P-A-N-O-L-A-N at getter. So if you could give me a follow, um, I'm going to be very active on there, and I'm going to do what I can to... You know, bringing some news that sometimes doesn't make it here. So, as you guys know, um, YouTube with censoring, uh, they've removed uh, Fox News host Dan Bongino, who's so popular, and he basically said, F you, and he's done, and the censorship continues. So, every time we use things like YouTube, we use, you know, some of these, like Facebook and uh and Twitter, we're still supporting them, and there are now other places, guys. So just so you know, if you get me on Getter, I'm going to start sharing from Rumble. Um, I don't know if you saw the um, over the weekend, JFK was forced to apologize for some comments he made during the anti-vax speech. If you guys didn't see it, go online and find it. There were some great speakers, and it was incredible to watch. There was a rabbi. There was someone from the Nation of Islam. There was a... a, a uh, a Christian pastor, and all different religions, all talking about you know unity and and everyone deserves freedom and everyone deserves to believe whatever God they want. But during his um his speech, he uh he had said um you know even in Hitler's Germany you could cross into the Alps into Switzerland, uh, you could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. I visited in 1962 East Germany with my father and met people who had climbed the wall and, and escaped. So it was possible. Many died, true, but it was possible. And he had mentioned that, you know, I apologize for my reference to Anne Frank, especially to families that suffered the Holocaust horrors. Um, My intention was to use examples of past barbarism to show the perils of new technologies of control. Um, The extent of my my remarks caused hurt, and I'm truly and deeply sorry. You know, that's the son of Robert F. Kennedy and the nephew of JFK, and uh, he had this rally. And again, I can't urge you people enough to watch it. It was... um, We streamed it on our getter. It was really impressive. It was just, uh, it was wonderful to watch, and it was nice to see, you know, leaders from other religions and organizations and uh, diametrically opposed throughout history, at least as far as we've been told. You know, talking together, and uh, the best line was when the uh, the pastor said, "Man, Washington must be quaking in their boots watching the Nation of Islam, a rabbi, and myself all talking at the same rally for unity." So, pretty good stuff. Excuse me. Go ahead, Paul. What else? Oh, uh, that's it. We have forty-five seconds. Damon, I think you need to go to sevencells.com. <laughs> Stack. Oh, man. Carol Brown said I read By the like way, a put up this tweet here, G, before we go to commercial. This is the. Uh, I agree. Hey, man, I got nothing to say, dude.
So if you want something that's just more affordable than that, what should you get? So we're going to talk about ways to substitute, right? But also shop at international and ethnic markets. A lot of times they'll have cuts of meat that are cheaper than normal. Mm -hmm. The other thing to do is substitute, add in beans, like really supplement your meats. Like let's say you have a pound of ground beef and Mm -hmm. you're going to make chili, add more beans, use half a pound of that meat. The next day, use the other half on tacos or burritos. So that one pound becomes two meals. When it comes to produce, the thing you want to do is skip anything that's pre-cut or pre-sliced. That always costs more. And consider buying frozen or canned vegetables. They're more nutritious actually because they're usually packaged right at the peak. And then condiments are also going up in Price. Ketchup? So, mayonnaise. That's the main mayonnaise. one. So I bet you could make mayonnaise at home with yeah. items that you have. Do you have you eggs? Mean, yes. Do you have oil? Yes. Vinegar? Yes. Mustard? Yes. Boom. Skills, You've got mayo. But do you need skills too? Mustard's in mayo. Mix it up. Mix it up. It's easy. Mustard. Okay. You see? Okay. Who knew? I mean, I mean, come on. Everything's fine, guys. We don't need to worry about inflation or Biden or any. It's all good. It's all good. Make your own mayonnaise and pretty soon you can... Just get a, grab a cow, put them in your backyard. You'll have your own meat. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Make your own mayo. It's not that big a deal. What? Tastes like crap? Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Inflation continues to rise, and we'll get to the Fed, by the way. Value of the dollar continues to go down. The president's out stumping to spend even more of your money, trillions more. So at this point, you got to consider your options, your financial alternatives. Cash is trash. Paper money is going to become more worthless. How do you protect your hard-earned savings? Well, one option to consider is physical gold and silver. And, of course, the experts there are our friends at Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold are experts in precious metals. An A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they have options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. Here's how you get started. Text America, text the word America, send it to 989898 and get your free information kit with absolutely no obligation. Let Birch Gold show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. Good God Almighty. Get the facts, get started today. You have nothing to lose. Text the word America to 989898 and get your free information kit from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Text America to 989898 and find out how owning gold and silver could help protect your savings. 32 past the hour live from Studio 6B and uh, the Fed did speak today and he said a whole lot of... Oh, the one thing that scared the markets the most is he said, you know, there's a lot of room for us to use our tools before we would even come close to disrupting the labor market which is the the line that most will take away and it's not good because that just tells you that they could raise quarter point it leaves the door open to raise half a point at one in one at one time cuz he thinks there's a lot of room before they would start to disrupt the labor market which is what they don't want to do so i think that's the big takeaway from the day uh from the fed Inflation, and he, by the way, he also said, surprise, surprise, that the, um, he thinks in the next inflation reading is going to be even hotter than December's. And of course, we know the way they factor housing is ridiculous, so it's already higher. So if he thinks it's going to be higher in his mind, it's probably, it's, 
real inflation is probably north of 20%, and they probably and he knows it. Now, your CPI will tell you housing is 4.1, and maybe it'll go up a little bit, but it's probably triple that. Well, go try to rent a, go rent a place or look what it is to buy a house. You know it's not. I mean, it's not hard to figure out that it's not 4.1. So, all right, uh, let's do crazy town, G. Biden gathers CEOs to push the Build Back Better program. Roll it. The economic plan we uh, began with uh, in this administration uh, has shown some real results. We've got to get uh, uh, get prices in check and for working people out there, and that's why the last uh, component of my plan is uh, so important uh, and why what part the support of these incredible business leaders uh, means so much. I doubt whether anyone would think that 12 years is enough in the 21st, second half of the 21st, second quarter of the 21st century. Uh, you know, it also increases exponentially, exponentially the prospect <laughs> of that, again. that child uh, being able to, no matter oh what her background, or his or her background, oh. get through uh, 12 years of school and then go on, almost half go on to uh, a two or four year college. What? And uh, we're, uh, we're bringing American manufacturing back. And, uh, and we're, we're helping along the way here. The industrial Midwest, believe it or not, is coming back. I got here when I was uh, 20, 30 years old, and the industrial Midwest was still going strong. But it's coming back. A real breakthrough began last year when Mary, Mary, Mary Barra, excuse me, Mary, for, for a year. For, oh, um, my God, pop up. I said it again. And Jim, <laughs> Jim Farley, a Ford, GM and Ford. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, thank you, Mr. President. It's an honor to be here. Supreme Court, huh? <laughs> I'm just going to demur on that one. But it's really an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me White to male. this event. And, and I just want to say that... Come on, that, guys. Let's, let's, let's move this. I just, I just wanted to say that, um, that uh, I, I think that climate change is the existential crisis of our time. Ugh. Oh, God. All right. Well, thank you. Go suck on a tailpipe. <laughs> now, uh... The pandemic uh, hit your uh, with the mask uh, for drop for workers the theater. and uh, and hard and uh, working parents hard. Tell me about how your support <laughs> how Microsoft oh, is looking at the workforce and the price what? and the pieces of the Build Back Better agenda that would advance the goals for your company. What's the relationship between this piece of my program and benefiting your company? I don't think we talk about that enough. Please don't ask them to repeat the question. (laughs) The technology that we, by investing, are going to (laughs) develop that become export capacity, I can't e- e- export matters, that grow the American economy beyond merely what it does relating to the environment here at home. Mary, uh, I'm always talking about Corvettes. I don't want to make Ford or anybody else upset. But uh, oh my um, I might so point out, you're, uh, when I went to Dearborn driving that, uh, you know, uh, was up there. <laughs> what what know, is he man. saying? It, uh, pop up. I think You're the press, press conference. Pop crazy. up. I enjoyed it so much going up and uh, your new EV factory. And, uh, <laughs> Get the man for and that, uh, that Hummer. 
before I, I talked about Dearborn and the F-150, but it weighs three times what my Corvette weighs. Oh, good God. Oh, this Corvette. When it was brand new, the Corvette was zero to 60 in 5.2 seconds. This is about 4.1. Actually, models up to zero to three seconds. Oh. Zero to 60 in three seconds, yeah. Okay, I'm looking for a job, Mary. I... Please. But anyway, uh, you're not qualified. The son of a man who ran the last 35 years of his life a Ford dealership and then a Chevy dealership. Um, the uh, um, I, uh, I mean, it really, really, really does matter. I mean, I don't. I, it's uh, what. What does? It's consequential. <laughs> I, uh, at any rate, I'd like to. <laughs> at any rate. You know. At any rate, it's not hyperbole. But, uh, what do you? What can you tell me about what the investments will make in this legislation would mean to your business? Oh my God! What in the world was that? In the world. I almost just fell off my chair. Wow. I almost oh, just fell back. He almost bored me to sleep. Oh my God! Could you imagine with Ma- what Mary Barra of uh, GM is sitting there, and the guy from Micro? I mean, all of these—they've got to be thinking, "Holy cow! No wonder nothing's getting better. <laughs> no wonder the, the supply chain. Where, where's uh, Where's Mayor Pete? He sucks at his job too. No wonder nothing's getting better. Good oh God. my God! That was brutal. I mean, it was, it was, he cannot, it was like seeing an old timer on a park bench, just talking to himself, feeding pigeons. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you're trying (laughs) so desperately to have a conversation. That's exactly what it is, Paul. That's nails it. You're trying so desperately because he looks like a nice little grandfather and you want to help him, but he's so gone. So you just bring him pudding. Just have a every tag. Tuesday at like eleven a.m. Pin a tag on him. Says I used to be Joe Biden. Oh, you're Joe Biden. Oh, I see oh. you. Supposed to be out the dog track, running the dogs, run around. The, I mean, this guy's the leader of the free world. He cannot complete a full sentence. A thought. He can't formulate a thought, even when he's reading off the paper. Like he he, he misread like. He's lost, like, he confuses words like prices with pieces, and he's reading, and the pressure's mounting on him. Like when I do the news, and I get yelled at. <laughs> Unbelievable, that is. Oh, God. All right, LOL of the day here. Oh, no, that wasn't it? That's enough. That was not it. That was not it. That was the crazy town of the day. These are all in- interchangeable between what the F and uh, LOL and crazy town. Oh, uh, Saki on Biden's schedule versus the reality of it. Roll it, G. Uh, well, let's see. Um, this morning, I think he had some policy meetings, uh, also a PDB meeting. Um, he, um, later this afternoon, uh, I think is doing some remarks review. Uh, there are some days that we spend some time uh, doing internal meetings and discussions. At least he uh, can't get a brain freeze. With policy leaders. Um, and that's, that's what's happening today. 
he would say he doesn't have nearly enough time of free time on his schedule because it is packed no matter whether people see him or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a, that might be the point of the year. At least you know he can't get a brain freeze. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, Always man. time for ice cream for Joe. Always time for ice cream for Joe. Wow, that crazy Boy. town. I can't get over that, that G. Was I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't sure what, you know. They're epic. We can't have an epic 10 every day, but man, I guess today, whoa. There is a village out there that has been deprived of its idiot. <laughs> wow, that was brutal. I think we're the village collectively. Oh, hey, uh, before we hit the break and we do news and sports, put up the Twitter, G, because I want to bring this to people's attention. I want them to read it from our own Raheem Kassam. Because I'm, I'm shocked at this. Uh, Trump endorsement. Trump endorsed this Morgan Ortegas, used to be in the administration, and, and is just a snake. She couldn't turn her back on him quick enough when she got out of there. And now Raheem Kassan's breaking this in the daily, uh, in the uh, National Pulse, leaked email show. Now he's endorsed her. It's just, ugh. Leaked email shows Trump-backed Tennessee congressional hopeful Morgan Ortega's pledging to faithfully serve the Biden administration. So go read this in the National Pulse. I'll I'll link it on our social media. I haven't read it yet. I've heard this story, though, and I see other conservatives just throwing their hands up going, "What, what is he doing? All right, live from Studio 6B, we'll wrap it up for a Wednesday night when we get back. to the hour live from studio 6b on a wednesday night let's do some sports and here with that slick rick what's going on pal all right big d well ncaa men's listen to this score at halftime indiana the great state uh was beating penn state at halftime 46 17 a little bit of a mismatch hey, uh did you see auburn last night yeah they won by one tight game Woo. missouri gave them all they could handle i told you it's a show me state you said it was going to be a tough one down there. You guys are going to stop betting hoops here. It's yeah. funny, I, haven't, I didn't hear from Amanda Head <laughs> after they only won by one. Now, maybe she had a heart attack watching because they were almost about to lose their first game on the night that she texted me very, uh, very happy about her number one Tennessee uh, Auburn Tigers. She probably blocked you after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she didn't, I didn't do anything. Why would she block me? I'm not the jinx. She's gonna she, probably she'll probably pay me not to bet on, on him. <laughs> she she talked him up to me, and I said, "Yeah, we'll we'll take a look at him." And then they almost lost on the first night she brought it to my attention. So yep. yeah, but they still did win. They so. still did win. They did. Correct. They didn't cover though. <laughs> they did not cover twelve and a half. No. <laughs> not even close. All right, what else, Rick? All right, just one quick story. Antonio Brown may seek legal action against the Buccaneers. This is from Chalina Goldman of Yard Barker. The football season is over for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but their issues with Antonio Brown are not so finalized. The disgruntled wide receiver and his lawyer, Sean Burstein, said in an appearance on HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumble uh, last night they plan to seek legal action against the Bucks after they released Brown earlier this month following a bizarre on-field episode. 
there's a lot to unpack from the interview with Gumbel, starting with Bernstein saying his team is uh, looking into filing a defamation, a defamation lawsuit against the Bucks for claiming Brown had a mental mental health episode while with the team. Antonio was defamed by this spin that he had a mental health episode that makes him uh, someone who's not re- re- uh, reliable to do a good job on the field. You know, he's actually trying to get back into the NFL, uh, but Tampa Bay offered him money, actually, to go to a mental facility, uh, the crazy house, in his words, and sit to the side and not play. Uh, when asked if uh, by Gumble if he needed mental help uh, of any bra- kind, Brown answered he has mental wealth, quote-unquote. Uh, but anyway, while Brown was previously told TMZ that ripping off his uniform probably wasn't necessary, uh, he used the opportunity to, with Gumbel to refute Bucks head coach Bruce Arians' claims that he was upset about not getting targeted. He says, I'm not worried about the ball, Brown said. Tom Brady is my guy. He's the reason I'm on Tampa Bay, so I'm, I'm going to get the ball. Um, but they also said in, in the uh, lawsuit that the other main issue at the center of the legal action is whether or not Tampa Bay forced Brown to be injected with the painkiller Toradol uh, before games to deal with the ankle injury. And so, yeah, I'm uh, sure that would be new in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a wow. breaking news. Um, wow, play while you're hurt. Here, break. take this. You'll feel good for two hours. Yeah. Oh, no, they've never done that. Yeah. yeah. Well, make sure you get your $20 million in, <laughs> I mean, for the year. Thanks for but, showing up for the playoffs. Yeah, but if, I know well, he's been hanging out with Kanye West, so we know what that means. And uh, not only that, but it says since his release from Tampa Bay, he has gone on Cameo to discuss the Minnesota Vikings and posted a photoshopped picture of himself in a Baltimore Ravens jersey on social media saying that uh, Lamar Jackson won him to come and join Baltimore. Yeah. So anyway, just one of the that's been a lightning rod story the past two weeks, ever since that crazy episode okay. against the Jets about three weeks. Yeah. That's right in sports big day. Back to you. All right. Thanks, Slick Rick. Um so Nick Friedis is a state representative, I believe, in Virginia. He got up on the floor as the subject was CRT and our kids in school. And here's how that went. Roll it, G. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise for a point of personal privilege. The delegate has the floor. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I I was asked by a colleague of mine on the other side of aisle, someone I actually deeply respect, and she asked me, uh, was I going to be nice this session? And I I thought it was an interesting question. I don't particularly think of myself as uh, an unnice person, but I can see how sometimes people would see that differently. But you know what I've never done, Mr. Speaker? I've never got on this floor and I've challenged the faith of an elected official because I disagreed with them on policy. I've never gone on this floor, Mr. Speaker, and suggested that the other side of the aisle were racist because they didn't agree with my particular policy positions. I've never suggested they were sexist because they didn't agree with my particular policy positions. But I'm keeping a running tally so far of this session, we're not very far into it, and almost every day, almost every day, someone on the other side of the aisle either gets up and either subtly or comes right out and suggests that if you don't agree with them on policy, well, then you're not a Christian. You're a sexist. You're a bigot. You're a racist. But the moment someone actually stands up and says, wait a second, no, I'm not going to accept that. If you want to debate me on the merits of our particular policies, I am happy to have that discussion. But at the moment you claim, with no evidence other than we don't agree on a particular policy position, The moment you claim that that makes us racist or sexist or bigoted, Mr. Speaker, I've got news. This was tried during the election cycle. You had a lot of parents coming to their local elected officials asking questions about what was going on in their schools. And the initial response was, oh, it's not there. And then when they saw evidence that it was based off of what their kids were coming home and saying to them, and they went back 
and reissued the concern, then they got told, oh, well, then you must be a racist. Because that has been the repeated narrative coming from certain members of the other side of the aisle. And there's been a lot of times where we've sat here politely and just took it. Mr. Speaker, not this time. I'm tired of it. My constituents are tired of it. Because when these claims are made, they're not just made against Governor Yunkin, they're not just made against us. They are made in part against the people that elected to send us here. And I don't know a single person in this chamber that I would define as racist or sexist or bigoted. We have very different ideas about how to get to particular end states where all Virginians can be happy, healthy, prosperous, and free. But just so I'm very clear, will I be nice this session? I would certainly like to be, but I'm not about to sit here and listen to that, Mr. Speaker, and then go home to my constituents and have them ask me, why didn't you stand up and defend us? So let's have a robust policy discussion. But if you're going to question the faith of the intentions of anybody that happens to disagree with you on policy, then you don't get to lecture us on compassion, tolerance, or an open debate. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Just turns around closing the race. Drop. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's very racist of you for saying that. Pretty good. It's just amazing how you just wear that cloak. Just put that cloak on, right? Instant defense. Yeah, I really don't, uh, you know, the very notion that Black Lives Matter is wonderful. Yeah, they do. The very tenant, if it's a singular standalone statement, God bless you, I agree. When it means Marxism and it means bottom-up and top-down destruction of a republic, nope, I ain't down. And it's a joke. You're automatically labeled a racist. It's just, I'm glad people are pushing back. Because it's uh. It's an impossible argument when, when someone accuses you of something like that. All you can do is either laugh at them or you end up a defensive. And when you're defensive, it looks like you shouldn't be defensive when you're not. So it's, a, it's such an impossible tactic that the Marxists used. All right, one more thing here. We don't have time for the whole thing, but I want to bring this to your attention because it seems like it's breaking tonight from Miranda Devine. New York nurse tells Project Veritas of possible botched administration of COVID-19 vaccine on children. And there's a video here. I'll play a little of it for you. We'll get more into this tomorrow night. They store it in the vial, in the bags, and they're like, oh, this is not saline. But then once this, they reach the supervisor, other teams have already given vaccines. Oh, with the bacteria? With the bacteria, yes. Oh, God. They don't know if <laughs> it could cancel out or have the first roof effects. Studies have not been done um, for any other deli so unfortunately there's not information on um, if it negates the vaccine or has any effect on it. They sent me a picture and I was like, call them right away, you cannot mix that with that. Once they call the supervisor, they had to call the other teams. And they already saw it out in the By accident, how are accidents happening with the children? And it was never reported. Yeah. Tell yeah. Everybody, well, like, kids that got vaccinated. Knowing with this company, honestly, Probably they're not, not transparent, so they're not going to be like, listen, they're not transparent about anything. In the rush to get everyone vaccinated, New York contracted with DocGo and their subsidiary, Ambulance, to right, provide that's, that's a little bit of it. We'll, have, we'll try to get the full tomorrow night. But uh, I'm sure the governor of New York will be all over that. She cares about the children.
right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to Real America's Voice. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night on a Thursday, 8 p.m., right here live from Studio 6B.